Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gives it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a called strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep into left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Alex Bregman gets the Astros off the deck. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Verlander with strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Happy Monday to you. Oh, happy, glorious Monday for most everybody here. A magnificent Monday for some, a manning Monday for others. Back here in studio, we're ready to rock and roll, at least for a couple days before we get back on the road again. And uh, some of us will be on the road working, middle of this week on to next week. Others in the studio vacation mode like checkout mode already with that i introduce marco d'angelo in the house on his monday friday bookend week here on the tc martin show and numchuck on the other side of the glass numchuck is always kind of checked out especially in summertime marco what's up brother well first of all i'll be working i'm going to delmore we're working oh. we're, we're, we're handicapped and we're going to be you know hoping to be money money's money. on the line now. money's on the line yeah. so i mean like real money we're not talking about like vacation money well i got you know four or five hundred or a thousand bucks that i could just blow on horses hey if i blow i blow i mean you're actually like this is this is business <laughs> and uh, thank you for that glorious uh, opening i love that ain't that a great open yeah you're number one we're, buddy. real <laughs> Real series last year. I was there. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of great memories. Yeah. And uh, how was your weekend, by the way? It was going very well until the LA Angels bullpen entered a game yesterday. I had a rather large play on the Angels yesterday. Whoa! <laughs> There's the sign with that bullpen. The Astros get to the bullpen, and that's what you hear. There it is, buddy. Wow. Okay, hold on. I had no idea that you had the Angels yesterday. Well, I didn't tell you because I know you're always on Houston, and I don't know which got me more ticked off. The fact that they blew the 7-3 lead, giving up eight runs in the final three innings of the game, or the fact knowing I lost this game that I shouldn't have lost, and I'm going to have to listen to you bragging about you having the Astros yesterday. But you didn't know that I had the Astros. You always have the Astros. But here's the deal with this. This is what (laughs) is very very ironic about this, all right? So he said he had a rather large bet on uh, the Angels yesterday, all right? I actually had, I don't want to say rather large bet, but I had two bets on the Astros yesterday. So I got them uh, early on at minus 120, and then I went for second helpings in in-game with the Astros at plus 105 when the game was tied. I had no idea you, you played this, Marco, seriously. But now I've got to ask you. Uh, I'm a little bit I'm, I'm a little bit perturbed right now. <laughs> if you are gonna bet 
either on the Astros or against the Astros, why wouldn't you pick up the phone and call me? Because you, no, seriously, because you do this, you've done it before with the Astros, you've done it before with the WNBA games. Why wouldn't you say, hey, I'm thinking about betting the Angels. What do you think? Why wouldn't you at least, because I, I bet I would have talked you out of it. First of all, I've never talked to you that you've ever talked anything but pro Astros on any play. Okay. So that, that's... Then the, here's the question. Why on earth would you bet the Angels yesterday? Well, the situation, first of all, the Astros pitcher that was going yesterday was, oh, in I, current form, was atrocious. Can I stop you right there? Go ahead. Okay. Christian Javier was going. All right. Christian Javier has been, and this is what I would have told you on the phone yesterday. Okay. Javier is their second best pitcher behind Framber Valdez. Both Valdez and Javier missed a start. And then they had the all-star game as well, too. So they had extra rest. The reason why they missed their last start, because they were both going so bad and they both had minor injuries. Well, Valdez really had more of the minor injury and Valdez, they just, they wanted to give him a break because his mechanics were all messed up. This goes back to um, uh, Javier. Javier's mechanics were messed up. And this goes back to when Javier first came in the league when he was a reliever. The reason why they made him a reliever because he 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 had a glitch in his windup. And then over time, with the Astros pitching uh, coaches, they worked that out and they go, wow, now this guy can probably be a fourth or fifth starter which he has become. So what had happened with Javier, because he was thrust into the situation with all the other injuries, uh, sometimes he was not going on the, on the full four or five days rest. And so it caught up with him and they said, whoa, let's, let's, let's hold you back a start. Let's work on your mechanics. And I got word that Javi's going to turn into a, a, a good performance, or at least he's not going to be that same Javier, the same with Valdez the day before. So, I was kicking myself to go back a day because I was at the All-Star game with the WNBA, this and that. I didn't get a chance to bet on the Astros, and I was kicking myself because I wanted to bet on Framber in that pitching matchup against Anaheim. And, of course, I see the Astros were blowing him out, and I'm kicking myself. And then what happens? The Angels come storming back and win 13-12. to I'm going like, holy moly. So then yesterday, it was the exact same thing reversed. But I actually bet on Javier because I had a feeling he would be good, and I knew he'd be better than he was. So that's all. The situation for me to go to the Saturday game actually set me up for the Sunday game because the Angels have been putrid the last mm-hmm. you know week, 10 days. Okay, And they got a win they shouldn't have gotten. That, to me, a lot of times puts a team on a winning streak. When you get a game like that that you come from behind, I mean, they were – 9-3 they were losing, come back, tied it up, then they're losing again, 12-9, get three in the in the ninth to go to, I mean, bullpen, I hate bullpens. What I'm kicking myself for is why didn't I go first, first five, five innings? That's, That's your thing. I know, and, and it's just one of those situations because I didn't think either team really had an edge in the bullpen. I know the Angels' bullpen is bad. I mean, Horrendous, yeah. You know, but yeah. – you got to admit the Astros bullpen has not been lights out either. I, not to the degree of the Angels, but yeah. it was one of those spots. I just, you know, I thought they might have turned it around. And the Angels are in that awkward position right now, where as we're rapidly approaching the trade trade deadline, they either got to start winning 
some games in a hurry so that, you know, maybe the mindset is not to sell or they got a tough decision. You don't want to walk away empty-handed with nothing for the decision. Yeah, that decision's already been made. I mean, Artie Moreno says, forget it. He said it back. Uh, if they were going to trade Otani, they should have traded him last July when they could have got extreme value for him. And then he said no. He was adamant. He he shut the general manager down. Team president manager said no, we're not doing it. And then it got brought up again last week, and he says no, we're not going to do it. Now, does he change his mind at the eleventh hour? We'll have to wait and see. But no, they're a mess. And no, I don't want this because it's very easily and just kind of like the mm-hmm. assumption in your brain is like, oh, well, of course you're going to say, you know, Astros and this and that. But uh, this Astros team has been a mess because of the injuries. The injuries have been brutal from the pitching staff to the everyday lineup. I mean, when you're missing Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Brantley still has not played a game. And I really loved what Eduardo Perez from ESPN said last night. When he said that this is probably Dusty Baker's best managerial job he's done ever to have this team 10, 11 games over 500 with this mess because they are playing rookie after rookie. I mean, they brought in the, uh, this Ham and Ager in relief yesterday. And when they brought him in, I said, this guy has no business, you know, you know, coming in and they were able to, uh, uh, to escape with that. But here's my problem with the Angels. Okay. Yeah. They were on a six game losing streak. And, and let's go back to, to Friday. Not that I'm looking for a pat on the back, but I did tell you and Jay Cornegay that the Astros, I don't want to say the word own, but they, they rip Otani and they have. And again, they, they're three and oh against him this year. And I've seen this that when you see a pitcher as much as they have or just any pitcher, you're not intimidated and Otani's not the same. He did not uh, pitch in the All-Star game because he had the blister. He was not himself. And to get the Astros at plus money on Friday, thank you very much for that. Uh, it's a good thing I guess I was working the WNBA All-Star game because I would have bet for Amber Valdez because I liked it. Uh, but then when I said they're going to win the series. So it goes back to my final point is that I've said it over and over. What does Dusty say about getaway day? They are such an emphasis on getaway day. And when they came out of the break, he says, listen, we're not losing any more series. We can't because look at what Texas is doing. So when they had that heartbreaking loss on Saturday night, come to Jesus meeting it was like, okay, guys, this is, we cannot start this. We had this great feel good feeling first game out of the all-star break on Friday. We're sky high. We thought we were sky high the way we were playing Saturday to blow that big lead. And now like you said up nine, three, and then now you do this. Which way is it going to turn? If they lose that game to Anaheim, which they haven't lost a series to Anaheim in, in three years, like, okay, let's, which way are we going to go here? So for them to come back the way they did, uh, it was, it was fantastic, but a lot of emphasis was put on winning on getaway day, winning that specific game. And granted, yeah, you probably should have won that game. Uh, but the comeback was great, but you are betting against an Angels bullpen. And I mean, how many rookies are they starting off, uh, in the field as well, too? So. Yeah, I will say this. I thought it was the most entertaining regular season series that we've seen in a long time. All three games, just fantastic games. Um, if no, you like offense. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. But um, write this down. I will not play the Angels again this year other than a first five-inning wager. It just, I, I just can't. It, well, why play them, period? There, there are spots to take. And, I mean, uh, when you look at their batting order, I mean, you look at this and you go, yuck. I mean, are you kidding me? 
I mean, with no trout and no Rendon, and you know that's the the heart of your order there. And then they're going, okay, we're going to bring up Moniac and guys like that. Now Moniac could end up to be a Kyle Tucker. He could end up to be a Bryce Harper. He was the number one overall pick, but he's just now getting you know thrust into the lineup, and you you can't trust guys like that. I just think it's a very young lineup, and yeah, you you wonder why Otani's saying, listen. I got to go elsewhere, you know, he'll get the money no matter where he goes. And Artie Moreno would pay him the money again, but for him, he wants to win. And you look at the landscape here. It, it, when you got trout and you got Rendon a couple of years ago, you probably think we're thinking, okay, if the angels ever had a shot of, of winning a pennant or something, this is it. But, and you, you get Otani on top of that you, and you can't win. So I, I, I can't blame Otani for, for going elsewhere, but remember, good luck trying to find another place where you think it's going to be better. I mean, any place probably will be better than Anaheim, but for these guys that want to, you know, hop, skip, and, and, and move around, if you go to the Yankees, go to the Dodgers, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win a pennant or a title. It doesn't, but those two teams are a lot closer than the Angels will they ever, are. Or ever be. But look at the Yankees right now. They're in last place in the AL East. They are, but could you imagine in... I always like seeing a pitcher that pitched his whole career in the American League yeah. switch over to the National League, uh, you know, or vice versa, but more so American League to National League. This is a spot though. You can't, I know what the management, you know, is saying about Otani, you know, cause you got to keep doing it. But if you walk away with nothing, okay, that's a huge mis, that, that's on you and your general manager and manager has to live with, you're going to lose him. Like you said, he wants to go somewhere where he's going to win. And they got to know that they're not, they can't pay him enough money to keep him there. I would try to get whatever I could get. You imagine everybody looks to build a team at the end, you know, when you're in a stretch drive, you either need bullpen help, starting pitching or hitting. You got two of the three in one player, even if it's a, you know, rent a player for the rest of the season, you're a team that's on, you know, think that you really can get to the championship this year. You got to do it. You got to go out and try to get them. And the Angels have to swallow the pill and say, you know what? This is the best thing for our organization. Get us a prospect. Get us something. We don't want to walk away empty handed. See, if you're already Marina, I think here's what you're thinking. You're thinking like, okay, you know, heading into this last weekend series, they were coming out of the all-star break, what, uh, at seven and a half, eight and a half games right out of first place behind Texas. So I think they're thinking, well, if we could squeeze in the playoffs, anything can happen. And you're still getting all this other Otani revenue. You're still selling his jersey. You're still doing all this stuff. And then you're getting 35, 40, 45,000 fans for the remainder of the time. If you play this game with fans, not saying it's right or not, but you know, as an owner, you're trying to maximize. I'm going to lose this guy. I want to try to make as much money as possible. And we've seen it. We've seen it with angel fans. They're like, I got to get to a ball game to see Otani before he leaves. So in his mind, it's like, okay, if I trade him, then. Yeah, I'll be getting some players in return, but everyone knows he doesn't want to be here now. So are you really going to get much for him? You know, it's that same situation of the Packers trading Aaron Rodgers. Are you really going to get, you know, a value? No, you're not. The value expired. The value was last July. And then you had a chance to do it where, okay, you got a year. So their thinking is, let me try Artie Moreno trying to talk to Otani. Hey, man. This is your organization. You know, we're going to give you a boatload of money. Trust me, we're going to build it. You're trying to convince them. 
You're trying to lie to him, basically. You're trying to convince him <laughs> to stay. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Then he wants to keep his fan base there all the way to the end of September. So I think that's why they're doing it. But he's Moreno can pay him as much money or maybe more than the Yankees or the Dodgers. I don't want to maybe put Red Sox in there. But there's like four teams, maybe Philly. There are four teams in there that will pay him maybe four hundred fifty or $500 million. Nobody else will. Maybe the Padres, if they haven't run out of money, right? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's just like he'll make just as much money or more money if he stays with the Angels. But like you said, well, you go to these other teams, it's more of a built-in contender. Absolutely. And if I'm him, that's what I'm looking to do. Question is, you know, could you imagine him in New York, you know, on the big stage there? I mean, you talk about, you know, revenue, you know, Yankees, it's, you know, they, they have big crowds as it is. They sell out. Okay. You put him in there. The stands are going to be filled all the time, but look at all the endorsement money he could pick up in New York. Um, LA is, is one that's, you know, if they can find that, you know, they have the money to do it. He would stay on the West Coast. That seems like a, you know, a great fit there. Um, I've heard some rumblings. What do you think about? I don't know they have the money, but I know, uh, they would love to have him Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a money thing, but it makes a lot of sense. Now, if you're Otani, I mean, there may be some cultural stuff that is cool. Hey, Seattle, that area. Um, you know, but okay. Do you want to kind of go into the, uh, shadows or footsteps of Ichiro or do you want to kind of make your own thing? Well, you know, Kevin Durant would do, right? But, <laughs> but I mean, that, that's a good question. Here's the thing right now. He's in Anaheim, but it's still the LA market. Okay. He's making $30 million a year playing. He's making $40 million a year outside of that in endorsements. I don't think it matters which city he goes to. He can go to Seattle, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York. I don't think it matters. He's going to have the same type of national endorsements no matter what team he's on. Heck, he could go to Houston and still make that type of money, you know, uh, endorsement wise. So I, I think sometimes when people say, Oh, go to the major market. I mean, he's a national brand. He's a world brand right now. Right. Right. So I think for him, he's just got to sit down and say, Okay, where am I going to fit? Who's going to let me pitch? And, you know, not try to, you know, second guess me. Now he goes to Los Angeles. Can you imagine him and Dave Roberts, what that would be like? I mean, Dave Roberts is always second guessing his pitchers going, I'm getting pulled again. We saw it over the weekend with one of his young and up and coming pitchers who was rolling on yesterday. And he goes, what? You're pulling me out again. So I think for Otani, he's got to feel comfortable with the manager. He's got to feel comfortable with the team around him. And I, I think it's, it's just a lot deeper than what on the surface, a lot of people are thinking, Oh, just market size and in perennial world series contender. I can't disagree with anything you're saying. I just, it just would be a, to me. I couldn't look my fan base straight. And if he plays the rest of the season here and we're not a contender and then he rides off into the sunset and you're sitting there with nothing but a memory. I know. Okay. But that, that's not how many times responsible. Bryce Harper, what did the Nationals get for him? Nothing. Right. Same thing. Carlos Correa for the Astros. Nothing. But in their mind, hey, we, had, we got Jeremy Pena mm-hmm. down in the minors, so we could do that. But there, that's, that's been the story with a lot of these, uh, guys who aren't traded. They just play out the season and, and you lose them for basically nothing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a crazy predicament. 
I, I will say, I got nothing but respect uh, for Otani. I've been hearing Scott Spritzer say it for like six years. You know, he's the best. What he's doing is Babe Ruth. And, and I, I, I have come to agree uh, with, with Scott. He is, he's spot on what this guy can do. I mean, I could just tell you, you know, every time I watch him against the Astros or if I'm, you know, betting on the team against the Angels, which I bet against the Angels quite a bit, like I'm sure you do too, you get nervous when he comes up in the box. Because he could change the game in a heartbeat. So, full disclosure, I bet the Astros last night. I had a 7.45 dinner reservation. <laughs> that game was at 4 o'clock. I thought, okay, well, you know, we, this is new Major League Baseball. Games are done in two and a half hours, right? And, you know, their starting pitcher, Anderson, one of the reasons why he went against him, he had 85 pitches in the third inning. Yeah. You know, and I'm going like, this game's not going to get it over before my dinner reservation, right? And then, you know, when it was... What seven to three? I saw the McCormick Homer seven to five. Okay, but now you know they're going into the uh, ninth inning. I left. I left. I gave up on the game. Considered it a loser. Didn't know you had the game. You know your winner. I go into the restaurant and I see the final out, and I see Maytong going, and then they show the Astro dugout. I'm going. You know, no sound was on. They won? They won? Are you kidding? How could they win? There's no way they pulled this thing out. And then to read how it happened, and then Otani hits a homer in the bottom of the ninth as well. Talk about three, especially Saturday and Sunday, two strange games. But, you know, because of that, that's why we love baseball, though. I mean, I don't know about you, but I give up on games a lot in baseball. It always comes back to bite me. I... I have a disdain for for bullpens. And you know, we talk all the time. I tell you, you know, I play as many first five inning plays as I do. And I, I had the three one winner if I go first five. Yeah. He did. You know, so, you know, what are you going to do? But I'm sorry. You turn, the page, you turn the page, go to another day. I was eating too. And my hands were, you know, is that why I didn't get any pictures last night? Yeah, well, one, I never send you seafood pictures because yeah. you don't like seafood. Yeah. And it was just a gigantic plate of crab, lobster, shrimp, you know, and it's very messy. So I don't do much texting when I'm eating that meal. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry you were on the, the wrong side of that one, my friend. But uh, like, as I always say, they play the national anthem again today. There you go. You, you got you got to bounce back tonight. I'm not playing the Angels, no. But I <laughs> I, not, I, ha- yeah. I am on three plays tonight. I could have actually went four or five deep, and I hate to do that on a on a Monday. I, I just you know, but I got no. the top three and ready to roll, and you know, get that one one play. That was my only play yesterday. Was the Angels? I liked them that much yesterday, and like I said, we we went pretty strong on the Angels, getting the price we were getting, and. Say, Levy, <laughs> are you one of those guys? Because I feel I am too. Like that, you like to play the final game of a series because you feel like okay, maybe there's some trends that fall into place there, or especially you know, I know we're both the same way in all sports. We like betting teams coming off of losses. Mm-hmm. I do. I would say I'm equal between the second game and the third game because. The first game, unless it's one of my situational plays, what I look for in game one of a series is who's doing the traveling, okay, and see if I got an edge there, uh, if it's an adverse uh, scheduling situation. Then, you know, I got to have a very hot pitcher. But then when you go to 
the Saturday second game of, of a series, yeah, you are looking for spots where somebody lost that's a better team. You want them to even the series. And then the last day, yeah, there's things about it's the same way with a Sunday game and a Wednesday game. The getaway day games, or if you're playing a Thursday, a lot of times teams are playing Thursday afternoon and they got to head out to a weekend series on Friday. There's good spots to go against some of those teams because managers, if they're going to rest people, are going to rest them on that getaway day. That wasn't the case last night. You were going to get both teams full lineups. Healthy, full, hell, healthy lineups, okay? Uh, but because it was a division game, it was a Sunday night baseball game and all of that. But, uh, I do look for that. And there's a little stat. People make fun of the days of the week. Um, there's a stat out there on the Dodgers. They lost again on Sunday. They're now f- as good as the Dodgers record is. They're four and 11 yeah. on Sundays. Getaway days. Okay. Yeah. You know, so. You know, people that when I say something like that and they go, that's so random, that doesn't mean. Yes, it does yes, it mean. does. It, it does. It's scheduled. And you being, okay, you're not an athlete, okay, no shot at you, but you travel with a, with a team. You know what goes on, the different, you know, hurdles you got to go through. Yeah. Get, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it is a situation. And, you know, and I incorporate it in a lot of stuff. There's a game, you know, today, uh, Miami, uh, they're playing tonight. It, they're a team that doesn't play well on Mondays. Mm-hmm. I got an angle and for they're traveling too. And they're yeah. traveling. And mm-hmm. I got an angle for you as far as interleague uh, play. And it's in one of the games that I'm using tonight. It happens to be the Dodger Baltimore game. In interleague play, the road team is horrible on Mondays. Okay. Because again, that's one of those, you know, you played Sunday, you're traveling on Monday. You know, some of the better teams, we always say, you know, they play for the, you know, when the stands are filled, you know, a Monday or a Tuesday in Pittsburgh, you're not getting excited about. But the Dodgers are in Baltimore tonight. Baltimore's on an eight game winning streak. They're bringing up the kid that when he, you know, when he got his first shot at the majors earlier in the year, he got just beat up and it was their top prospect, Grayson uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. They sent him back down and. He's had two months in the minor leagues. He's got an ERA of 180-something, good whip, um, 4-0 record. They're bringing him back up tonight. I think you're going to see a different Rodriguez. He got some confidence back with the stint down in the minor leagues. And even as bad as he pitched those 10 games when he was up earlier, TC, Baltimore was 7-3 and three yeah. in those 10 games. So he got a lot of run support. I'm going to go ahead, you know, with him tonight and with that interleague angle, you know, an interleague game – that's probably the least important game on your schedule, unless it's one of those ones like when the Dodgers play the Angels, it's a ter- or the Yankees play the Mets. You know, it's bragging rights for a city, not Dodgers in Baltimore. How do you get excited? You just left New York and now you're going to Baltimore. I think it's a bad situation for the Dodgers tonight, and I'm on Baltimore. See, I like the Dodgers coming off the loss though. And, and that's it. I mean, again, the way Betts is, is swinging the bat, I understand what are saying. And, and Grayson Rodriguez, I mean, his ERA is, is over 7, 7.35. And you're right, he's been in the minors. And the reason why he's in the minors. But, I mean, look who he's facing tonight with these bats. So I would be careful with that. And here's another thing about Rodriguez. This guy does not have good control. I mean, he has way too many walks. I mean, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is not good. Uh, I love the Baltimore bats. Ah... <sighs> I'm not saying I'm going against you on this one, but, you know, and, and again, I don't bet baseball until 
an hour before the game, so I, I see the starting lineups. Right. So yeah, Mookie Betts is resting tonight. Okay, I'm off the Dodgers. But if, if Betts is in there and Freeman's in there and Muncie's in there against this youngster who hasn't pitched since May the 26th, that scares me a little bit. I mean, I w- I'd probably be on the Dodgers. Uh, yeah. Going back to the Angels, uh, how weird does this look when you've got the Angels, a favorite, any, any decent favorite, like a dollar thirty-five favorite over the Yankees yeah. in tonight's game? I know Severino, you look at his numbers, not that bad, but since he's come back, they've been pretty decent, right? Last two starts, you got teed off. Yeah. They, they teed off on the last two. So yeah, you got two pitchers that are not in good, good form there. And, you know, maybe the safe on paper, the knee jerk reaction would be to take the over, like yesterday's game with the Angels or know, the day before. The, <laughs> because, right? you know, both teams have bats. Okay. You know, and, <laughs> Both teams' bullpens are not getting it done. So, you know, sometimes, you know, just keep it simple. When you see two teams that have a series like that, just go ahead and keep yeah. riding the over. Yeah, and, and this is why you, you nailed it. I mean, Severino, I mean, he was going good until his last two starts, four runs, nine earned, and then his last start against Baltimore, two and two-thirds, seven runs and ten hits. Ouch. Yeah. And you're on the road tonight and the Yankees aren't playing, you know. Well, you're coming Yankees from Colorado, lost. but, yeah. you know, yeah. It's... You're coming from the altitude, you know, that in, you lose two out of three to Colorado, the worst, you know, mm. one, the worst team in the National League. One of, you know, the worst uh, in baseball, obviously, Kansas City's got in Oakland are <laughs> staking claim to that uh, for the worst in baseball. But, yeah, the, it, it's a tough situation. I know that it's a spot. For Rodriguez, this is a this is a big start for him. He's getting the second chance, and you are absolutely right in everything you said when he was up here before. But that's the reason he, he was at AAA. They got those things corrected. He he was dishing it down there. So if he's going to have a start, yes, he's going to be nervous pitching at home. But you know, you're going against the Dodgers. That's great. And we always talk about you know the young pitchers. First time around the league, you you wanna you wanna ride them over the hitters. They have the advantage. So I'm on Baltimore tonight. We'll see what happens. That was a client play, you know, in a personal play for me, obviously, as, as I bet all the games that I put out. Yeah. So we'll see what happens tonight. Rooting you on, my man, and appreciate you sharing uh, that with us. And of course, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. Subscribe uh, to all of his all of his plays. And again, Marco's pretty upfront, but again, you know, he there's some juicy ones there if you subscribe too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, there's so many handicappers and it's kind of the nature of the business is like, okay, they go on radio or they'll do TV shows and they'll give you like their moderate plays, yeah. you know, and then you got to subscribe to, 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 to get the juicy ones. But I think that's what is so cool. And I get this, these comments, uh, from listeners a lot with you and Scott because you can't really even tell that if, the plays that you're giving out on this show are moderate plays or whatever, because you guys both do exceptionally well, mm-hmm. have high percentages. But I know that a lot of times you do. You give out your, your strong play on the air, and I, I've seen you do it. Well, I don't want to be called a ham and egger. I mean, we're bringing the A game. Right. There you go. <laughs> My man, Marco D'Angelo, even though I feel bad for him for his uh, loss last night. I wish you would have called me, but that's okay. Uh, Not that I would have changed your mind or whatever. But uh, all right, today uh, on the show, we have um, – Going to talk a little WNBA All-Star Game, the festivities last weekend. Wow, what what a day it was Saturday uh, and even Friday with the skills competition. But Saturday, uh, the All-Star Game was uh, was fun. 
Uh, we had an interview with uh, Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner. We're going to play that back for you a little bit later in the show today. But when we come back today, a very big day in the NFL because it's franchise tag deadline, and that deadline just expired about an hour and a half ago. We will give you the latest. It involves Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, uh, we'll tell you who is signed, who is not signed, but big NFL news. We hit on that today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will uh, talk to us. The NBA Summer League has its championship game tonight here in Vegas. So, yeah, coming off a busy weekend and uh, another busy sports day today, and we'll dive into, into all of that with you today uh, during the course of the program on this manic, magnificent Monday. You be the judge. <laughs> Asia Wilson, forward of the world champion Las Vegas Aces, and you're listening to the TC Martin Radio Show. All right, feeling good, feeling fine here. Beginning of uh, the work week. Asia Wilson, Team Wilson lost in the WNBA All Star Game, 143 127. You know, she was all smiles afterwards. KP, they all were. And um, I don't know if I want to ask you this question or not, Marco, because we talked about it on Friday. Let me ask. I didn't play the toast. Oh! <laughs> and you didn't play Team Wilson, right? No, I didn't. Oh, not. good, good. good I, I just, I was, I told you while we talked about it on Friday. I don't bet these type of games. No, good for you. You shouldn't. Yeah. And. I was tempted. I was tempted because I'd never seen anything like this situation where you had four all-star players on it from the same team and they were going to be on the floor, at least three of the four of them at the same time, a lot. And it was something to look at. And I think that kind of fired up the, you know, Stewart's team a little bit too, that because it was almost like they were going against the super team. I mean, I know an all-star game is supposed to be two super teams. But th- this was beyond that with what the, you know, the aces had and being in their building. And, you know, after we talked about the total, I originally said, wow, 249 looks high. But then after you explained things that were, you know, different about the game, I almost went to the other side with Jay. You know, after we talked with Jay in the 249 and a half, they soared past that. There was no defense. No, there was no defense. And, um, in this atmosphere, it it's such a fun like you said non-defensive atmosphere and it was definitely missing now remember i was throwing out some stats on friday's show about you know how we've had low scoring games well i went back into the the three games that we had here in vegas 2019 2021 and, and 2023 this one and the 2021 game, the reason why it was 93 to 85, because that was a totally different situation. It was kind of like what we were talking about. Remember when Jay was asking me about, Hey, what if the Aces played, you know, a WNBA all-star team? What would happen? And my answer was that, yeah, you're going to get a full effort from both teams and you're going to get the Aces would be the better team. And in my opinion, they would win by double digits. And he was saying that the guys at the Westgate, they were trying to decide like what, type of line to make and so i had the flashback and i said 
Okay, well, you go back to 2021. That was the year the Team USA was here in uh, Vegas training for the Olympics. Because 2020 in Tokyo, those games got postponed a year. So that year at the All-Star Game here at, at Mandalay Bay, is it was Team USA versus the WNBA All-Stars. Final score, 93-85. to 85, mm-hmm. Because they it was not your typical fiasco like you see in every other NBA All-Star game or what you saw you know, Sunday where they're going to let you play. No, because Team USA, they're getting their rotations down. They're trying to you know, get their system down, their offensive sets, everything, rotations. So they played it like a real game. So there was no um, Ole defense. So this being the regular All-Star game, it started with the very first possession when Brittany Griner got the ball. And they went Ole because Brittany wasn't there last year and they all wanted to welcome her back. And basically she was, you know, this was the 2023 WNBA All-Star Game starring Brittany Griner, which I get. And that's why they did the introductions with her. They did, uh, you know, the interviews with her before the game, after the game. They had the presentation with two minutes to go uh, in the game where Asia and Brittany are out there where, uh, next year Phoenix is going to host next year's all-star game. So the passing of the ball, kind of like the Olympics where, yeah. you know, all that sort of, so it was just like an all Brittany Griner show and nobody was going to, um, you know, play defense. But I thought it was kind of cool about three minutes into the game after it was becoming a joke. Brittany went up to pick up Chelsea Gray and slapped the ground and said, come on, baby, I'm going to guard you. And Chelsea goes, oh, okay, we're going to go one-on-one. The crowd's going, yeah, let's see some defense. And you saw it like for like a possession or two, then, nah, went back to normal. <laughs> BG was playing full-court press. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. But you know what the score was at the end of the first period? It's 29 to 27. And pretty low scoring. Yeah. And, they, you know, but then it just it got to be where – any type of uncontested layup, I'm going to let you have it. If you go inside, you know, it was really weird, especially like from my angle. And I don't, I don't think you could pick this up on TV. But when you're there and you could see the whole court and you could see the faces of the players, the, like Satu Sabali and um Alicia Gray, they had like fast breaks and they were like, Walking the ball up like, oh, I don't think I should. This is my first all-star game. I think I better give it to somebody else and wait. And then they were like, had these laughing, happy faces. And it's like, should I go to the hoop? Oh, you're not going to stop me. Okay. I'll take it then. But it was, it was, that was weird. And then when you see like, uh, the front page of the paper, the sports section yesterday had Plum guarding Jewel Lloyd. And Plum had this smile on her face and her hands are down here. Like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to stop you. So something tells you I should try to stop you, but I'm not going to stop you. And especially when you get into the fourth quarter where it's already a 20 point game. Now going back to 2019, it was 129, 126. So you had some defense in the fourth quarter because, okay, now the game is in question and in that, but you're right. Yeah. There, there was none of it in that. And it's kind of sad and kind of anticlimactic, but. They put on a show, and this is the town to do it in, yeah. you know, in all of the stuff, the, the red carpet stuff, uh, you know, on Friday and Saturday. And mm-hmm. there were some, some very interesting, mm-hmm. um, outfits on the red carpet. Yes, there were. <laughs> Got a chance to visit with Kathy Engelbert, the, uh, commissioner of the WNBA. Wanted to talk to her like I normally do at this game at this time, just kind of get a WNBA. 
WNBA update. Thoughts on the game, the weekend, and specifically Las Vegas as a future host. And joining me now, the commissioner of the WNBA, a woman who has done a fantastic job. Always love visiting with her, Kathy Engelbert. Kathy, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here in Vegas. It is, isn't it? Always uh, great. All right. So, you know, the topic, I'm sure, has come up so much. Like, can this be a permanent thing here in Las Vegas? <laughs> I get that question all the time. I said, well, next time I talk to the commission, I'm going to ask her. Is that a possibility? Have you guys talked about that? Yeah, we obviously always want to give our owners the ability to showcase their city, yep. showcase their fan base. So maybe not permanent, but certainly somewhere we'll come back to often. We've seen a situation where, you know, Las Vegas has hosted basically every other year. So since the Aces have relocated to Las Vegas since 2018, we've basically seen three times in six years. So kind of 2019, 2021, 2023. <laughs> Is that kind of a thing that maybe we can look at? Or? Yeah, again, we have a process we send out to all of our ownership groups a three-year look at do you want to host 23 24 25 okay. obviously vegas stepped up for 23 we just announced phoenix for 24 but yeah we're, we're constantly looking at it we also have some challenges in olympic years like next year and trying to fit our 40 game season in yeah. but yeah again with the vibe here is so great entertainment capital uh, our players love it my staff loves coming here so it's yeah. really fun to be here and just uh the energy in the city around sports and um, I think, you know, given the Aces winning the championship last year, we'll be back here in less than a month for the Commissioner Cup championship right. that the Aces will August host 15. right here in Mandalay Bay. Yeah. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that too. Talk a little bit about the evolution that you've seen of this franchise since they relocated here. First the MGM had it, then Mark Davis steps in and, and buys the team. Of course, you know, the team has gotten better every year as well too, but just talk about from your perspective about what Las Vegas looks like to the WNBA and specifically what the Aces have done for the league. Yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible, you know, to have a franchise just join not too long ago. And I came into the league four days on the job. I was flying here to Vegas, you know, for that All-Star game in 2019. And to see where the Aces have come and built their roster through both, you know, homegrown as well as free agency has been great. And uh, I think their success speaks for itself. I love how the fan base in the city has embraced. And I think it's great to win a championship, but they were embracing this team even before the championship yeah. last year because they were in the finals during the bubble yeah. in the 2020 bubble yeah. year so really just uh, a, a great reflection of the city and the sports culture here and I know this has been going to be host to a lot of things in the future so that's why we love it. love to have a WNBA team here. Yeah. 19-2 and two for this this Aces team. Wow. Tell me what your eyes have seen when you look at this team. Yeah so 19-2 and two, what a start um, I think you know maybe LA one year started 20-1 and one, so it's not a record but uh, a really fast start and think about how the competitive nature of having New York and Connecticut and Dallas and uh, you know there's a lot of up and coming teams obviously the Aces are the one to beat now they're the one to beat both in the Commissioner Cup and the WNBA playoffs this year so really just great what a fast start and Becky Hammond does such a great job in only her second year uh, at the helm and so it's really great to see. You hear I'm sure you hear all the time about the talk of super teams you hear it in the NBA now we're starting to hear it here people are saying well, well look at the Aces are super team and like you pointed out which i always say this team is homegrown i mean you know yeah. with, with you know number one overall picks in asia wilson and kelsey plum and jackie young but now you see free agency what happened with new york this year is this super team thing a positive or can it be viewed as a negative what is your feedback when when you hear stuff like that well honestly part of our strategy was to build rivalries yeah. and and to build teams into superpowers not necessarily super teams but 
you know, to build teams to compete at the highest level and to build those household names so that they believe that they can all win. And and obviously with New York and their free agency moves and, and you know, tapping off the strong roster here with the Candace Parker through free agency this year. So it's all coming together. That was kind of part of the strategy, not that I direct what, what the GMs do or anything, but, like, we've got to build more rivalries, and that's one of the reasons for the Commissioner's Cup. It's one of the reasons for giving those first ten games against your conference component, uh, opponent some extra special uh, meaning and then pay out a prize pool and pay the players more so it's all coming together and I think it's a good I think overall it's a good thing for the sport and it's a good thing for the followership of players and then kind of coming out of the NCAA you need those household names those villains those generational players to join these teams and, and you know you always want parity in league we have a ton of parity right below the aces and the liberty in yep. Connecticut so Connecticut shouldn't be overlooked you know Not everybody's calling New York and right. Vegas a super team Connecticut's right there under a first year coach too right. and having lost a bunch of free agency yeah. so it's pretty incredible what they're doing yeah Kathy Engelbert joins us the WNBA commissioner talk a little bit about the increased popularity of this league I mean if we see the, the crowds that not only show up here at the Michelob Ultra Arena on a regular basis, but throughout the league, and then also the television ratings. I mean, since you know the deal with ABC and ESPN that's going on here, I, I just see it as such a huge positive. The numbers are up. From your perspective, talk about where the league is right now. Yeah, can't be any more pleased with the... Um, kind of, if you build it, they will come mentality. Well, 204 of our 240 games are on national platforms this year. When I joined the league, I think it was 60. Then last year, I was so proud it was 140, and that was an all-time historic record. So to have 204 of our 250 on national platforms, people now know where to find us. We have appointment viewing with Ion, kind of a new deal for us this year with Scripps Ion on Friday nights. We have Prime Video on Thursday nights. We have ABC and ESPN and CBS on the weekends. So people are starting to figure out where to find us when to find us and again it does help with these household names like an Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Brianna Stewart and all the other names Ryan Howard's killing it um, Aaliyah Boston coming in from being a national champ and really that popularity out of the women's game 10 million people watching that final game between LSU and um, uh, Iowa and we've got a, a bunch of college NCAA yeah. players here today yeah. who are who are killing it in their social platforms and their NIL deals and they'll come into our league and I think contribute in a big way so it's all it's all really working out according not totally according to plan but part of the strategy is to build these players into the household names they deserve build those rivalries get them marketed out there we're spending a ton I think we tripled the marketing budget over the last couple of years and it's working yeah you've seen this uh, league grow as far as popularity goes. We always say it's the toughest rosters to make because there's only a 12 teams with 144 spots, and it's it's probably the toughest you know to make a team uh, uh, compared to any other league. I know there's been some talk of expansion. Where do you sit on that right now? Yeah, we're working really hard. Um, we did in the off season last year, knowing how tough it is. But it's less about you know just adding roster spots for roster right. spots' sake. It's also about not degradating the quality of the game, but also in a country of 330 million people, longest tenured women's professional sports league in the U.S. is the WNBA in our 27th year, double any other women's sports league. So we're the, we need to be the leaders around this, but we also need to be thoughtful about bringing in committed owners. I'm glad we didn't do it earlier because the valuations of our teams have gone up considerably. We would have undervalued it. I think the time is right, and, it, and we're ripe for expansion. So we'll be uh, announcing something later this year. Since the new collective bargaining agreement, players have, are making more money now. 
which is uh, a, a great thing. Talk a little bit about that, and especially you mentioned college with the NIL deals where we see a lot of college players now that are coming in the WNBA, I mean, making money. How do you feel and where do all does that stand as far as do you feel good of where the salaries are right now and do you see another increase potentially down the road? Yeah, of course. We always want to pay our players more, and that's why we upped the playoff bonuses by 53% last year. We put a half-million-dollar prize pool for Commissioner Cup. Like, each player who wins that wins gets at least 10000 and the winning team gets 30000 each. So we're trying to pick our spots, find our ways to take our finite capital, both human capital and financial capital, and, and get more uh, money into the players' pockets. On the college players, I think NIL, you know, I was kind of wrong. I thought it was a negative when it first was being passed when I first came into the league. Actually, for the women athletes, I thought it was just going to be another place for women athletes to be undervalued. I was wrong. If you looked at the Elite Eight in the 2022 season, four of the top five NIL paid athletes were women basketball players. So um, it's an opportunity for them to expand their brands. They come in with big followership. Aaliyah Boston came in with huge followership. They come in with some money, too, and they supplement that with their WNBA income. And also, the women athletes tend to have um, more national brands, so the Nikes, the Gatorades. So when they come in with national brands, it's great. They can bring those. Those are our brands, too, that support the WNBA. So I think it's a win-win, um, and I think it's great that they come in with followership. It's going to help our viewership, which sports is all about your media deals and your corporate partners, and you got to make them successful. And the more your players are known and followed, the better. So NIL, I think, on net for us has been a big positive. I think that's the first time I've ever heard a commissioner say that they were wrong in any sport. <laughs> I've never heard that before, Kathy. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I was like five days on the job when I was asked about it. So, But you know what? I mean, it was because I first heard about how undervalued women's sports are. And we're still getting uh, undervalued. But I think I'm very optimistic. We're starting to see a lot of momentum. You just see it here in this arena today yeah. about our our assets valuation, whether it's a, a, a patch on the uniform, a placement on the court, a media ad buy, a media right via corporate partner coming in saying, we want to support you so it's all working great real quick let's talk a little bit about the all-star game itself not only the game the best players in the world here we got superstars nba guys actors actresses here yeah. but you also got this great thing with the wnba live here at the uh, mandalay bay as well too this is the second year you had that in chicago talk a little bit about how that came about and the results that you've seen this weekend yeah so our strategy is has three pillars player first stakeholder success and fan engagement wnba live was born out of engaging fans more consumer touch point we had no idea our corporate partners would step up so much but this is about our fans when they come to a tentpole event like WNBA all-star they need to feel like they can engage in a lot of different things so they actually had there was a three-point starry three-point contest over in WNBA right. live where fans could actually hit and they would win $33,000 for the one that hit the most three-pointers in 60 seconds both days uh, uh, Friday and Saturday so we're so proud of our corporate partners all of our WNBA changemakers as well as American Express has a great activation. Nike's been so great. Uh, U.S. Bank is kind of our presenting partner of WNBA Live. So partners are stepping up, seeing the value of touching our consumers, and we're doing it so our fans feel really good about not just coming to a game and a skills competition and three-point, but that they're interacting with our partners and supporting them. Outstanding. We really appreciate the time, as always. Always great seeing you great here. Great to be here. Especially yeah. here in Las Vegas. I'll be back in a month for Commissioner Cup. Thank you so we'll, much for we'll, all the support. And we'll talk to you then. There it is, Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner of the WNBA. And since she has taken over as commissioner, the collective bargaining agreement has gotten better where players are making, you know, much, much more money. The TV deals are great with ABC and ESPN. The ratings are up. We're nearly 
over 600,000 viewers they're having for the ABC and the ESPN games uh, every weekend. The WNBA is in its best spot ever. And as you can attest to, Marco, the product on the floor is fantastic. Absolutely. And what's driving it, you know, Vegas being a super team. I mean, everybody calls them that. That's what they are. That's how people want to see that. We're spoiled because we see it every game. Mm -hmm. The rest of the country hasn't. And like we talked about in that interview, I caution people to call them a super team because this is a homegrown team. You know, they didn't, they didn't buy players. They didn't get people. New York is a super team because yes, they drafted Sabrina Nescu, but then you had Courtney Vandersloot and Brianna Stewart came over in free agency. Uh, John Quell Jones, they traded for her. Asia Wilson, the very first pick of the Las Vegas franchise. Kelsey Plum was the number one pick the year before in San Antonio. She comes over. The following year after Asia Wilson, Jackie Young, number one overall pick. And then the other draft picks that they've gotten. And yeah, Candace Parker came over, but Candace Parker's kind of an afterthought, which we said, don't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, you got what, homegrown. 16, 16 years in the league, and you're not even thinking about it right now. Okay. <laughs> Crazy stuff. I uh, appreciate Kathy Engelbert for joining us, the commissioner of the WNBA. When we come back on the other side of the hour, we're going to get you caught up to date on the NFL. Tell you the latest with Josh Jacobs and the Rakers at, at an impasse. Same thing with Saquon Barkley and the Giants as the, uh, the franchise tag deadline is coming past. We'll update you on that. And then the big seven-footer comes on to talk about who knows what. And Jerry West plays basketball at his very best. Basketball has always been my thing. I like Magic Bird and Bernard King. And number 33, my man, Curry, is the center of my starting team. Red, one, two, three, four. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Thompson tries to answer and does. Play Thompson with back-to-back threes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins a three-pointer. Pucks it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. The Warriors are ready to celebrate. The Dr. T.C. Martin launches. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Monday. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. And both Marco and I going to be off for a better part of the week. I guess we'll both be working. Yeah. One of us will be on the road working. The other will be uh, Del Mar <coughs> working. Who's uh, going to have the better food picks? Oh, I'm going to Seattle. Minneapolis, Chicago. Where are you going? Okay, well, first of all, going to Seattle, what you should be eating there, you won't be. Okay? <laughs> I know you're going to try to hit the one, you know, the, the real good steak place. My Metropolitan Grill? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a given. Yeah. But you go to Seattle, you got to have seafood. And you're just not a seafood person. You don't think that I'm going to steal somebody else's pick? Uh, what well, you know? Of course, I've seen you. <laughs> we in need, of course, I, I've seen you in action. You're a repeat offender. <laughs> now I've only taken your picks. Like, hey, your dish looks a little bit better than my dish. So can I do your dish? But I'm relatively having the same dish, just so I don't put. No, but that's no. I, I really have never 
you stole Jay's steak at the Westgate to take a picture of Why it. Why did I do that? Because your steak was sent back. As there a- you <laughs> go, Rick. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you remember that. Exactly. And his steak was looking mighty fine, and he got the bigger. He had like the New York or the ribeye, right? And I had the filet, and yeah, they, they messed mine up. And so, okay, I couldn't post that. Couldn't do that. But uh, see, here's the thing why I don't put, post seafood. And again, you've called me on it before. It's not your plate. You know, it's not authentic because you're not going to post seafood. It's like Cartwright. He says, green. You're not going to post any greens. But occasionally I do have some greens, especially when we go to Hank's. You know, I put my green beans in there, but you know. You won't eat any seafood at all. No, no, no. That's really not true. Now, here's the deal I will not order any seafood if I'm going to like a steakhouse because it's a steakhouse. I'm going to do that. Now, have I eaten seafood if I've gone over someone's house or if I've gone to, say, a seafood restaurant and it's one of those kind of a group things and that's what they're selling then or, or serving, then yes, uh, I would. Would you have eaten that? Uh, Marco's showing me. Those are like crab legs, right? Crab legs, shrimp, lobster. All in a boil with the potatoes okay. and the corn. Uh, I, I love the. I, I'll, I'll, I'll sign sign me up for the corn and the cob. <laughs> I, I love the corn and the cob. Sign You'll me have up. that seafood flavor though. Re- re- remember that. You know, it's kind of like me with with the burgers when the, you know, I say no pickles, and they put the pickles on there. They ruined it for. They you. ruined. It. I can't do it. I, get, take away that burger. But anyway, so to answer your question. When I eat the crab legs, too, just the whole crab leg thing and the lobster thing, not going to do that. But I will eat the shrimp. And I have eaten shrimp. I've actually had like an, a, a, believe it or not, I've had a shrimp meal. I've had a salmon meal. And you know what kind of, um, tempts me? I don't know if you've ever had this or not. Cause I've even suggested this when you and I've gone out to, to Hanks, the Dover sole. Oh, after they debone it and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I've people that I've eaten with, they said it is really good. So I, I would try that. I'd try it. I don't know if I'd make it the whole meal because I want my steak. But can I do like steak and, and, and a couple shrimp? I'd be that's fine, right? Okay. We gotta get you there. But Seattle, yeah. you go to the pier, there's all kinds of seafood places. Yeah. And and I love crab and you can get I mean, they'll sit you down, put the bib on you, they got the butcher paper on, you know, the table, and you just you know I wanna be one of the guys that that throw the fish. I've seen that all the time. Got to go to the market down at the pier. Okay. It's I there. I know. I know what you're saying. I- what else is Seattle known for? What big chain originated? Starbucks. Yep. Yeah. So I don't need to go to Starbucks. Yeah. I don't go to Starbucks here. Why would I go to when Starbucks When I was there? there, people were lined out the door because they wanted to say they were at the original oh, Starbucks. Geez. So you're going to Seattle and then Minnesota? Yes. And then Chicago. Does Minnesota include a stop at a certain place to see coco i was thinking about that you should you should go see coco okay this time i'll I'll take one for the team i'll take one for the team i guarantee you i I guarantee you we'll get a text message saying i'm not going am i am i allowed to take pictures in there generally not (laughs) yeah but maybe you can get uh get get a sound bite you're listening to the tc martin show nice (laughs) and so it's in that that then that whole extravaganza it's a write-off. There you go. So, yeah. So the dollar bills and the tip, okay. that, that that goes a write-off? Well, you can't, but I'm trying to I think. I can't believe I'm we don't have th- the cinnamon music going on right now. 
I can't believe it. Because I'm trying to figure out if she's there that uh, day. Like, take your time. Take your time. Do it right. As the SOS band said. But yeah. to write something off, don't you first have to actually spend money? I spend money when I go on the road. But then you get reimbursed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you so well. All right. Our next guest, he knows something about Seattle because he spent time there. And, of course, Chicago. I'm trying to get him to meet me in Chicago so we can go to Froggy's. That's what I'm really looking forward to in this trip. The one and only, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, the one, two, three, four, five-time NBA champ. What's up, brother? I'm just kind of curious about this food conversation. <laughs> of course you are. So, I mean, let me, let me help you a little bit. Because you're going to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle is obviously close to the ocean. Very close, like right there. Um, you gotta have seafood, dude. Okay, first of all, it's not the ocean. Not, I was corrected by right. that, and you lived there. You played there, you know. I was corrected last time I was there. It's the Puget Sound. I said, okay, that's not the well, ocean. It's, it's very, very huge body of water. Yeah. But tons of access to many um, types of seafood. Of course you're going to have seafood there. Of course you are. You definitely would. I mean, if, if you're in Chicago or Indiana, Midwest, you're going to have, you're, you're, I mean, you're bread at home. You're going to have a big, big-ass steak. Right. You're not going to have seafood. Right. But, uh, I'm with, you're you're right. You're, you're, I, you're, you're, you're on the ghost. I realize. You take some chances with yourself. Okay, I'll have and time I, for an I extra do, meal. I do. All right. I do. I, I do want to ask you one thing, though. Yeah. Do you like now? When I was in New York, I ran up on because I never thought I would ever eat an oyster, and I tried one one day, and I didn't know what to put on it. So basically, the waiter's telling me just put the sauce on here. So it gave me like three different sauces. I put it on there, and I ate one. And after that, I ate about ten of them. <laughs> they were so good. It was it was incredible. I I, I couldn't believe it, it's... and I still can't believe it. Now let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, and I think I know the answer. Are you an oyster guy? So let me. I'll answer that for you. It's funny you bring yeah. this up because I was out to dinner. Last Friday night at one of our favorite spots here that you've been with me to, uh, uh, you know, of course, I'll just say, it, you know, it, 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 in the Cosmopolitan. And uh, the guys I, were, I was with, they wanted the oysters. They were from Texas. And they said, and the place there, you know, of course, Blue Ribbon is famous for their oysters. Now, he was asking the questions and, and he had the oyster in the same story that you just told. You know, and there's every time I take people there, they ask the same question. What's the difference between the East Coast oysters and the West Coast oysters? I've been afraid to try it. Now, when we uh, took our boy Dusty there, you know, last year when he came, he did what you had. He, we ordered, I think, like eight of them or something like that. And I didn't partake in it. And he says they were so good. He ordered another eight or another 16. It was. And these guys were just going to town on the oysters. Here's the problem, Bill. What I get with the oyster, I don't. I've heard so many horror stories that oysters can make you sick because it's not cooked, right? Isn't that raw fish still? Isn't that raw? So I'm I'm a little nervous about that. 
I'm I'm sure I could probably graduate to to do that, but I've been a little gun shy or nervous. I've never tried the oyster. I, you know, again, I can do the salmon. I can do you know the, these the shrimp. I can do all that stuff, but the oysters scare me, and, and I'm probably wrong for that. But you know, again, I just I, there's other stuff on the menu I'd rather have. No, oysters give me good. Uh, I love oyster rockabilly for one thing, but oysters can be cooked any way you want, and you put any type of sauce on it. It's it's a really incredible thing. But why and were I you so you nervous know. about? Why were you nervous about it in the beginning? Well, basically, I didn't know. Yeah, same same thing. Okay, now Marco, uh, Marco is shaking what? his head here. Marco, what's your take on oysters? Oysters for me, it's a texture thing. Plus the fact I was scarred from my days. As you know, I was, you know, worked in a meat shop, my dad. And we used to get oysters. They would come in like a paint can, you know, gallon. And when people would come in to buy fresh oysters, I had to reach into that with all of the, you know, the, I call it the snot that's in there. It's, yeah, it's, the a, heavy, it's, it's a heavy velocity, viscosity, I mean, to say. And then people, you'd weigh the scale, and then people say, oh, give me some of that juice. Give me that. And I got to pour that snot into the cup with it. That turned me off. That's why I don't like oysters. I have never actually tried one. Wow. He went from that to professional handicapper. I see why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if we went through the process of everything that we eat and how it got to where it got to, we probably wouldn't eat it all. Oh, you're right. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my, my uncle, my uncle Buddy Moore, uh, you know, if you wanted a chicken... Uh, you know, that, and in the morning, he grabs some eggs, you know, right from the chicken, right to the stove. Uh, you know, and basically, you could have that same chicken at night. You know, all you got to do is grab him, cut his head off. <laughs> that's what my, hey, that's what my grandmother did back in the day. My grandmother would do that. She'd go get the chicken, cut it off, and, and fix it. I know. You're right. Yeah, cut the head off or, or ring its neck. And and the same thing, you know. Um, um, I was there, been there many times. Shot a cow in the head, and that night uh, it was a big barbecue. So and pigs as well. That's not very pleasant, you know. Have any of you been through that experience? To hang a pig with a gun and stroke? Yeah, yeah. So look, if we went through all that uh, and still enjoyed ourselves, I think we can. I think we can have some oysters. I really, it's do. hard to block that out, but, but we we got to do it. I, I I would think this weekend you'd be watching some uh, golf of this American that golf thing. So the American Century Classic, uh, it, it one of my favorite courses, probably yours as well too. You're talking about, and did I hear this right? I didn't see any of it because yeah, I was I was working Saturday, Sunday was catch up day for me. But did I hear this right? The Steph Curry, he won it. Did he win it? My guy? Yeah, your guy. I, I, I would think, well, I think wow. that you would have uh, maybe taped it and, um, I don't know, maybe uh, put, a, put a picture on the wall or something. Now, wait, you, you played in this tournament way back in the day, right? No, I actually, I actually was asked to play many times. I was actually... Um, was was in like the first group, you know, to to be able to come down and play. But uh, you know that 
for me during the summer is off and relaxation. Uh, so no. Now this makes no sense because here you are, Sacramento homeboy. That is an hour and a half away from Sacramento. Beautiful course there at Edgewood. You've played the course before. I know you like the course. How could you turn down to play that? I mean, we're talking about, you know, three days of ecstasy there in Lake Tahoe. I mean, you got the water, you got the beach, you got the fun, you got great food, you got great golf. I mean, in your prime, no, you, there's no excuse for you turning this down. I really want to know why. Well, what then? What do I play it for? If I wanted to go play that course, I'd go play now, what are you being a snob? Uh, you don't want to be around, uh, you know, your, your fellow athletes? Come on, man. Uh, no, I enjoy fellow athletes, and they're from all different types of sports: football, baseball, basketball, obviously, hockey. Um, but um, when I'm playing golf, I'm playing it with my buddies. We're hanging out, having some beers, relaxing. We're not hanging out having people gawk at you, and we're just we're just having fun. It's, it's a wreck sport. Uh, now some guys like it. Yeah, some guys like it. Uh, Charles Barkley plays every year. No matter how horrible he is, he plays. As a coach, Bill Laybeer, I think, was second one year. Yeah, I mean, uh, and again, you, you're used to playing in front of 19,000 screaming, either adoring fans or hecklers, and you wouldn't get any hecklers if you're going out there, gawkers. I mean, that's a pretty chill, chill thing. I think you would actually enjoy it. And I bet if you went and you played one time, I, I think you would have been a regular man. I, I, it kind of surprised me that you would just shut it off because, as you know, I mean, you're at the top of the invitee list. No, it's not my thing, dude. As you know. Um, but even back then, well, I mean, I mean, you're kind of a quiet guy. I, I, you know, I don't know. I like, I like what I like. Uh, you know, if I want to play some golf, I'll, I'll, uh, I can play here at SAC. Uh, there's some great courses here. Or I'll go up to San Francisco play the Olympic Club. So um, I still play nice courses. But uh, but but I have my own my own posse to play with, and I'm I'm very very pleased. All right, he is the big seven footer, Big Bill Cartwright. Let's talk about some other TV over the weekend, and I got a chance to watch a little bit of the replay as I was flipping back and forth, and that is the Wimbledon men's final. Carlos Alcaraz defeated Novak uh, 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 Jokic. Uh, Djokovic, I should say, uh, in a classic final. Uh, 1-6, 7-6, 6-1, 3-6, 6-4 in the final set. This match took four hours and 42 minutes, including a 27-minute game in the third set. Uh, Djokovic was frustrated the entire match. He was challenging line calls. He broke his racket at the end of game three of the fifth and deciding set. It was an amazing tennis match. And I know you like tennis. I haven't watched tennis as much as I did, you know, going back, you know, 20 plus years ago when I really, really enjoyed it. But uh, I was really captivated, you know, by this. And I've seen both of these guys play quite a bit 
especially this year. I love both of these tennis players. This was a match for the ages. I'm curious. Did you get a chance to see any of it? I did watch that, and I think you saw something special because you saw a change in other guard. Yeah. Because, look, uh, Djokovic is uh, a special, special player to be playing at that level uh, at his age. Not that he's old, old, but, uh, uh, you know, if somebody spotted me 10 years or 10 years younger than me, and I couldn't imagine that I couldn't beat him, uh, that's an issue. So this guy to be playing at this level, uh, to play where he is, uh, is is amazing. And that was a great match. So um, great hitting going on, great serves, incredible volleys, uh, really special match. So, yeah, I, I, I really have a, um, a strong appreciation for, for both those guys to be that strong weld uh, and those points to hang in, hang tough. Uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Can you imagine playing four hours in forty two minutes? I mean, think about that without a break. I mean, we talk about basketball games that are you know two and a half hours. Okay, you go double, triple overtime. You're out there for over three hours, but again, you're not on the floor for every minute of that. I've always been amazed at tennis players. I've always thought that tennis players, soccer players, and boxers, and we'll throw MMA guys in there as well, to be the best-conditioned athletes. And, and again, it's probably not fair because you can say, you know, people that are triathletes, triathlons, all that sort of thing, marathon runners. I mean, that's all, all phenomenal. But when you're going one-on-one with the pressure and the tension of every point, every stroke, that just blows me away, the condition that you have to, to be in, in a final, on the highest stage of them all, four hours and 42 minutes. Incredible. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to put my own sport in there, too, because, uh, look, those guys aren't having somebody getting knocked in their ass, and they got to get back up and play their next point. So uh, in, 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 in our sport, we get hit, grabbed, uh, you change your directions incredible. Uh, you just, you're, you're, you're constantly moving on the floor. So it's, it, that stuff's not easy either. But I, I understand what you're saying with those guys playing those long points. They got to focus. Um, they got to stay in points. They got to be really, really mentally strong. Obviously, physically, they're, um, well coached, well tutored. Um, they're just great, great players, and uh, you know, and they're similar to NBA guys as well because you're you're seeing the best players uh, in the world. So it's uh, very, very tough, and there's there's only um, there's only one winner. So it's uh, it is it is a really special thing. And let me ask a question: When you were a kid, because my my best mile was like. Just under eight minutes. For a mile? One mile. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My best time was uh, six minutes. So we used to run and we used to basically have to break the six-minute mark. And that was hard to do. And so I, I had broken I had six minutes maybe a, a couple times. But for the most time, uh, time I'd be like around 630, 640 or something like that. 
That's tough. And I used to dread that because those were like, you know, back in the days, I don't know if they do that anymore, but, you know, in PE classes where, you know, you'd have the president's physical fitness test and all that stuff. And yeah, you, you had to run that mile, man. We used to dread. We used to dread, oh man, today's the day we got to do the mile and be timed because it's not something that you do on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, I got uh, these guys run a marathon faster than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about Jim Ryan again the first four minute mile I mean that, that blows me away it's like crazy yeah I'm just saying being, being, being an athlete this is important because uh, you know fortunately for us we never played football and would have however many uh, tackles they have in the game which is like you know you have 15 tackles that means you have 15 car wrecks that day <laughs> oh that's cool hey uh, you know Next time we have you on, do you think that you could like, you know, I mean, tell your your public not not to call you during the interview? Like you got incoming calls coming in while we're doing a, a interview on a show here. I mean, I know you're popular and everything, but come on, man, you you gotta like, you know, block out some time here. Well, I, I do have um, like you uh, a few hundred. <laughs> People that can call me. I can't call all of them and tell them I'm busy. You can't do that. Oh. Is there a no, way to put, to put your phone on Nunchuck? Is there a way to put your phone on whatever? Leave me alone. Do not disturb. Do not disturb. Or, airplane mode. Yeah, there's all got, of those. Things. Isn't there a thing in there that says, uh, leave me alone? I'm doing the TC Martin show for the next 23 minutes. There is not one that's, that there's says not, that. Well, let's get one, okay? No, let's Contact, not. you know, uh, the makers of iPhone or whatever. You know, the seven footer yeah. has their Android. Or I'll get on that right now. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, I think that was my, my buddy Doug Jemison from, from USA, who uh, I chat with, but I chat with many alumni, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Shake hands, kiss babies. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll let you get back to your phone calls. Uh, we appreciate the time here today as we covered uh, seafood in Seattle, steaks in Chicago. Uh, Athletic physical fitness. Yeah, we 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 touched it all today. And, and we did touch on one of the best tennis matches we've ever seen. Yeah. Hey, let, let me ask a question. Since since your boys playing golf, are we gonna play some golf this summer? <laughs> uh you wanna come play out here? It's one eighteen today. You wanna play in that? No, I, I didn't think about here. <laughs> I said I said that, are we going to play some golf this summer? You can come out here. You can come out, uh, come out to California. We're still I, I would love to, but have you, have you seen my schedule? I don't, I don't have a window. I mean, I'm really trying, you know? I'm really trying. I, mean, I invited you to the golf event a couple of weeks ago. You, you couldn't make it. You were doing your own in Chicago, but I would like to. But that's probably going to have to wait until summer's gone, man. I mean, I got, I got WNBA finals till the end of September. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. We can still play golf here in September. We can do it. Okay, there you go. Well, put it on the calendar. All right, brother. We'll, we'll let you go, man. Uh, I want to make hey. sure you. Go ahead. I, w- I want to make sure you at least practice one day, Joe. <laughs> I want you to heal up, okay? I, w- I need you in Chicago seven days from today. One week from today, I need you in Chicago. I've seen you. I've seen number 24 heal up overnight. All right, you got the you got the treatment. You know, you got the massages. You're ready to go. Face Lambier and company the next night. I'm giving you seven days to recuperate so we can go have some French onion soup and some steak. Can you do that? And I'll even tell you what. I'll even take you to Wrigley Field for a game. What do you think of that? 
Well, that's you know that's very nice. Uh, I like Wrigley Field. I'm, I'm not a Cubs guy. I know, but we like Wrigley Field. Yeah, baseball. But I'm gonna give you two different things. Is that um, on the 30th of July, and I, I think you know this already. Is yeah. my birthday. Yes, I do. I do. You and Nick Nice. And, me and Nick, and at that point in time, I'm going to be uh, not 25 years old, so I don't heal, 66. Ouch. So, yeah, exactly. So when you talk about a healing, uh, it doesn't quite work that way. So you, you're just in survival mode right now. So um, big birthday coming up. My son, uh, grandson, Trey, yep. he and I, the same birthday. I, I remember. He's, yeah. He's got 16. Uh, so he's kind of took a, a little juice away from my birthday, but that's all right. I'll celebrate it with him. Okay, brother. Well, we'll look forward to that, and we'll definitely give you a, a happy birthday call uh, on the show as well, too. But I'm just trying to get you to heal up. I mean, you've already, uh, you know, I think you've uh, healed up or progressed in the last 24 hours. So I got faith in you. So we'll just, you know, we never say never. Remember that, okay? Never say never. I'm not asking you to run a mile. I'm just asking you to escort me, be there, uh, you know, come to a WNBA game with me, uh, maybe go to Wrigley Field and open the door at Froggy's. That's all I'm asking you to do. Yeah, I'm not even well, asking Froggy's, you to drive. Froggy's going to be open, so we, we can take care of that one. I'm just, uh, I just got to make sure that I'm, I'm able to uh, function. I understand, man. I get it. Okay. All right, brother. Hey, go 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 rehab that up, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Adios. Adios. There he is. The big seven-footer. Culinary delight there. I don't need him in Chicago, but it'd be nice to have him in Chicago. All these trips. Because when I was living in Green Bay, I'd meet him there. You know, he was living there at the time. Great times. But how hard is it? You know? You plan it well in advance. Got to go to Chicago. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, 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 in. Well, the request line is not open for the Raiders and Josh Jacobs as the deadline was 1 o'clock today Pacific time. It came, it passed, and Josh Jacobs did not accept the franchise uh, tag. And they had to 1 o'clock today to work out a long-term agreement. That did not happen. The two sides, the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, are far, far apart. So what does that mean right now? That means that more than likely, Josh Jacobs will not be at Raiders training camp. Now, remember, Jacobs has not signed his tender. The Raiders decide to franchise him where he would earn $10.1 million for this season, being being paid as you know the top three running backs in the NFL. Josh Jacobs was the top running back 
in the NFL last year, rushed for over 1,600 yards, had 393 touches combined rushing and receiving. And remember where we were a year ago? Let's go flashback to that, where Josh Jacobs wasn't even sure if he was going to be a Raider, then maybe he might get cut and thought he might get traded. They couldn't work out a deal for him. He was upset. So he said, fine, contract year. I'm going in blindly here. What do you do? Turned in the, the best year, not only of his career so far, but one of the best years that we've seen of any running back last year. So end of the season, it was like, hey, I proved myself to you. Raiders, you got to come correct now and do it. So this should come as no surprise whatsoever. We knew this was going to happen. Did not sign his tender. Did not show up to the mandatory mini camp that happened last month. Raiders have made an offer. The offer is not acceptable to Jacobs because not only does he want more money, but more importantly, this what this is all about tenure. He wants to be in a Raider uniform or any team for that matter for at least four, five, six years. That's what he wants. He wants the longevity. Has he proven it? No question about it. It's really kind of hard to side with the Raiders here. Understand it's a business. But maybe this says more to what the running back position is these days. It's a totally different landscape now than it has been. I don't want to use the word dime a dozen, but you can get guys coming off the practice squad. You can get guys that are undrafted. You can get running backs second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and they could turn out to be great players. Josh Jacobs more than likely will not be at training camp and will show up right before opening day. That's the latest with Josh Jacobs. That is what you're assuming he will show up, and he should, but there's no guarantee to that. He has another option, and that option is to sit out. And I got two words for him. Sits out, he doesn't get paid. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, my two words to him are Le'Veon Bell. There you go. I went through it in Pittsburgh. So firsthand, the games that the two sides play, you know, I'll be there. I'll come. I'm skipping everything else. I'll be there start of the season. Nope. Wasn't there at the start of the season. Then he, about the six week mark, started rumors again going to come. Well, there is a deadline. If you do not, at least it was back for Le'Veon Bell, week 10, you had to be playing week 10 or you couldn't play. Uh, right. Can't be on a roster. And that week, the week before, where then he would have been showing up, he's seen in Pittsburgh in a gym privately playing basketball, getting in shape, and everybody, you know, all oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and he didn't come. And he lost the entire season. He ended up playing for the Jets, which was an absolute nightmare. Uh, running back learns that, yeah, the position is very good, but it's also only as good as the the offensive line that's in front of you. Um, you're going to waste a year if you sit out in a running back position is probably one of the shortest, you know, lifespans. And that's why, because they are so, like you said, you don't want, you know, say people are re- replaceable, but we found that people step up. Now, granted, there are the outliers. There's the Christian McCaffrey's, of, uh, you know, of the world, Barkley, you know, in the Giants that meant so much to that team and Josh Jacobs here, but they need him more than ever. 
this year because of what they're doing at the quarterback position. They're not going to – if Jimmy Garoppolo's got to go back and throw 40 times a game and they've got no solid run game and teams are just pinning their ears, Garoppolo will be hurt at some point during the season. You need Josh Jacobs, and you can say what you want. Devontae Adams is the star of that offense, but Josh Jacobs, and he proved it last year. He had the best year of any running back. And, and to your point about Le'Veon Bell, five seasons in Pittsburgh, and I'm sure you felt this way. I know I felt this way, that this guy will never be the same, and he never was the same. You know, you mentioned he goes to New York. Uh, he ended up playing, you know, 15 games in the New York, had what, 789 yards when he was there. After that, then go, you know, uh, Kansas City, Jets, uh, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, just spot here, spot here, join a team for a few games, quarter of a season, half a season. If he just would have sucked it up and take the money, because the franchise tag, remember, it's not an insult to you because you're getting paid. Basically, you're getting paid more than 80% of the, 90% of the other guys at your position. You're making, and that's why it's arranged that way. Sure. You might not, uh, have a contract next year, but you, you know, you may work your way into a multi-year contract the next year. But the bottom line is you're not playing for free. You're not paying for, uh, playing for peanuts. You are getting paid handsomely to do that. And when you decide to sit out an entire season or try to come back, you know, in the middle of the season, it's never going to work out for you. Never. And it hasn't. It definitely wasn't with Le'Veon Bell. So I'm not saying I blame Josh Jacobs. I get where he's going. But if the Raiders truly do value him, come to an agreement. You you have to do it. And we'll see what happens with him. But, you know, again, you don't have that much time. Here's the thing, too, with the Raiders, and I get it. I get it from their side. I think we talked about this weeks ago. I get both sides. If you're the Raiders and you say, we value Josh Jacobs, we're happy he had this great year, but, man, now you know, he wants this long-term contract, long-term money. Do we want to give all of that money to one guy at this position when now that's going to hamper us from signing somebody on the defensive side of the ball? You know, to maybe now replacing Darren Waller at a tight end to get another quality wide receiver to get some help on the offensive line. I mean, the Raiders need defensive line help, offensive line help. They need another linebacker. They need someone in the secondary. I mean, they need a lot of help. So that's where I get it from the Raiders. It's like from a business model, it doesn't really make sense for us to, to really maybe weaken our team in other areas to give you all this money. It's tough. Part of it is ego, too, because you're saying he signs a franchise tag, he's getting paid. He's getting paid like top three money. But all these guys want to be the highest paid player at their position. It You know, it, and then the next year, the next guy that signs is going to do the same thing. So it's just, you know, it's a never-ending thing. Somewhere the line's got to be drawn between management and the players. It might be fall the time is guys that want their contracts renegotiated when they're in. Okay. You sign a rookie contract or whatever. We know that's the softest, you know, contract. It's the most friendly for the, for the team. Then they want the big money when they're proving themselves. Great. You deserve it. All right. I want to see the other side. When you are not performing at that level, why can't management come in and say, Hey, you know what? 
let's renegotiate your contract. It hasn't really been getting it done. That's where it's never a two-way street. And that's the problem where the owners have to take a stand to protect themselves, not to be locked into players for the long contracts. And look what we have sitting here. we got an elephant in a room with the Golden Knights. <laughs> and that's Panda. I should have said we got a Panda in the room. But, you know, they got a contract that they're stuck with. Mm-hmm. That's true. But uh, every, every, not to say every team that goes through that, but that is part of the business. And that's why the players are getting, you know, 51% of the revenue as well, too. It is a player's league, plain and simple. And the owners really don't have much of a choice. Now, the side for the owners is, okay, once we cut a guy or release him, we're out of that contract. We don't have to pay him anymore. But then the players strike back with that. The union comes back and says, okay, that's why they're now they're pushing for these upfront guarantees, the signing bonuses now. And it, it it's crippling. I don't know. People think that it's really lucrative to be an owner. And yes, it can be. But man, it, it, it can be costly at times too, especially if you're not selling out. Okay, sure, you're getting the TV revenue. It doesn't matter if you're in Tampa Bay, Green Bay, or Los Angeles. I mean, you're getting the same amount of television revenue and that's that that's great but it's it's tough when you got to negotiate these contracts and deal with salary caps and whew, I, I i don't know now saquon barkley's in the exact same situation the barkley and the giants and jacobs and the raiders the exact same thing barkley not eligible to be re-signed until after the 2023 season if no long-term deal is reached Okay, well, that timeline came and went today at 1 o'clock Pacific time. So Barkley more likely holding out in New York and Jacobs holding out here in Las Vegas. So, yeah, don't expect to see either one. And, again, I can't – maybe Barkley will change his mind, but it doesn't sound like – and these guys kind of are tied to each other because the other wants to see what the other one gets. If there's a long-term deal, say Barkley signs a a five-year deal, you know, that's going to pay him – 25 million a season. Now, Josh Jacobs go, whoa, wait a minute. This guy's been often injured. Look what I did last year. He's 25. I want 27.5. Both guys want the other guy to sign first. Exactly. There's no question about that. Let me ask you this question. Who is more important? Barkley to the Giants with Daniel Jones or Jacobs with the Raiders to Garoppolo? Because we always say a good running back is always going to elevate your quarterback. You could say they are equal, and I can I could go with equal, but I will say that you have a better quarterback here in Vegas with Garoppolo. You got Devontae Adams, and you've got a pretty good backup in Josh Jacobs. And now allowing him to play, you he could be the next bust out guy, the bust out star. The Giants behind Barkley, I don't see it. And Daniel Jones is not as good a quarterback as Garoppolo. So if I logically kind of sound it out there, I say it's Barkley. You know, he comes in with the higher expectations, even though in college, you can make the argument maybe Jacobs is better, but he was in, in Alabama, he was part of a running back by committee. <laughs> I mean, just stud, yeah. stud, stud there. And then Barkley had to carry the load there at Penn State, even though they are a very good, you know, running back you as well. But that's a good question. I would probably say if I had to pick one, Barkley. What about you? That's the way I go with it, you know, because you do have the experience where 
Garoppolo has won on the big, you know, the bigger stage in playoff games. Daniel Jones hasn't done. I've never been a Daniel Jones fan. And if he does not have a running game behind him, that team is going to struggle mightily because he's going to be forced to do too much. And when that happens, he's going to throw interceptions, pure and simple. Who do you think the best running back in the NFL is right now? Not just stats last year, but over right now. You got to make a case for because of what Josh Jacobs did last year. You know, so if you go that way, you got to say he's worth the more more money. But I think what is going to happen is I think they're going to pony up the money for Barkley at some point because they got to realize yeah. they're in trouble without him, and that's going to give. And I wasn't really saying Jay- between the two. I'm saying yeah. in general. Well, Derek like- Derek Henry is mm-hmm. you know he's load to bring down when he's healthy. The problem's been he's been injured the last couple of years, and we haven't gotten a full season from him. But he's a guy that you could just continue to feed the football to, and he wears teams down. That's why it's amazing to me how the Titans have not been more successful in the playoffs because they they were a team that was built to win playoff games. I'm not a big Tannehill fan. And that's why. Okay. And But you got that running game going there. But Kansas City has shown you they've done it with, you know. Committee. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Derrick Henry, his – uh, quote earlier today, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to the organization. He goes, it just seems like it doesn't even matter. He goes, I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve right now. Can't really blame him. Again, I, I, I think he is the best. He's the most durable, even though, I mean, he takes pounding after pounding because not a lot of running back, running backs in this league are running the way he is and again he's going north and south very rarely is he you know you know this guy's taking a pounding uh i love derrick henry Najee harris is going to be in the same situation for the steelers in a couple of years when that rookie contract's done yeah all right so out of the impasse right now uh saquon barkley and josh jacobs neither one Probably will be at training camp, both threatening to uh, to hold out of their respective teams. And on the other side, Tony Pollard signed the franchise tag today with Dallas. So Pollard is back. So we got Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard. And now you know Pollard is going to be the main man. And so he signed. He was debating on whether he should or shouldn't. Dalvin Cook is a free agent, released by the Vikings last month. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And then... DeAndre Hopkins at the wide receiver position signed a two-year deal with those Tennessee Titans that we're talking about. He was released by Arizona last month. Uh, he met with the Patriots and the Titans. Two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. How's that going to work out? Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> they need Be a running. Resting. They need a good running game to, to make it work, guys. Uh, I'm uh, telling you. Got it. Tannehill's not carrying anybody. Yeah. All right. Uh, appreciate everyone for joining us today. Uh, you heard from Kathy Engelbert, uh, WNBA All-Star Game on Saturday. Uh, her thoughts about Vegas and and what a great spot it is, not only for the WNBA, but sports uh, in general. And it sounds like every other year the WNBA All-Star Game will be here, and that's been the case for the, you know, going on the last six years every other year. All right. Uh, appreciate the seven-footer Big Bill Cartwright for joining us. And Marco, Enjoy your vacation. You deserve it, my friend. Enjoy. I want to see plenty of food picks, and we'll see you a week from Friday. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Enjoy. Seriously. All right. Numbchuck, we're back at it tomorrow. Terrible Tuesday style. 
We look forward to that. Al Bernstein will join us as we get ready to start talking about one of the most anticipated fights coming up here at the end of July. Looking forward to uh, Crawford and Spence. Al will talk to us about that. Plus, you know, Al's going to be back on stage here coming up here next week, too. We'll talk about that. Singing. All right. TC saying so long. If you missed any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com, for everything. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.00.